welcome back to Real Estate Happenings, your go-to podcast for all things real estate. This week, we have Elaine Turner, a born and raised Texan entrepreneur and author, and you may know her from her elegant yet affordable fashion brand. Is that correct? That's perfect. Tell me all about you. Before we jump in, I told my girlfriend last (laughs) night that you were going to be on the podcast, and she's like, are you kidding me? I used to buy purses at her place. She's famous. I was like, she totally is freaking famous. <laughs> well, that's sweet. So we're handbag lady. <laughs> no, she was just like, I love those bags. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm so inspired to be here, and just meeting you and looking at everything that you've created is, I think, such an inspiration for especially women, all those sure. women out there who maybe have a little bit of doubt within them if they could really do it or follow that spark inside of them. And just meeting you just kind of reaffirms that it can happen. So Definitely. thank you. Okay. Tell me all about you. Where do we start? Okay. Well, I'm born and bred Houstonian. I just, you know, I was telling you I grew up in Sugarland. Um, and I, I came from an entrepreneurial family. So for me, it was kind of in my DNA that I knew that I probably was going to start my own business because both of my parents had businesses. So I think, I don't know for you, but I think when that's modeled for you, you kind of start leaning in like, oh, this is what people do, you know, right. <laughs> creating their own thing and kind of being, um, I don't know, I guess sort of master of their own destiny in a way, you know. And so I, I think that was always implanted in me that mm-hmm. I was going to do it. And then I always loved fashion. So it was kind of like my mom was always affirming that in me and saying, you're so good at expressing yourself creatively and, and really also looking at fashion in a deeper way, not just, oh, you know, materialism or consumerism, but really looking at it as an extension of me, an extension of self-expression and how that can empower women, right? For sure. So it's not just about acquiring. It's mm-hmm. really about communication. I think what we wear is another way that we're communicating who we are. So I was always, my mom's a writer, so she's I love cre- that. I'm going to have to copy that. I mean, I'm wearing roses and flowers on my pants. You so are. I know, exactly. That's that awesome. joy. And so I think for me, it was just always in the back of my mind and in my heart. And then I went to UT, and at the time, they didn't even have a fashion degree. So I did marketing and advertising, and then I went, um, right after school, I went straight to Dallas and got a job for a very small manufacturing firm. Um, Because back then, a lot of fashion was still domestically, you know, right now it's harder. It's a lot of it's obviously overseas, but, and I worked for a family owned fashion business and just kind of built my career from there and went to New York after that and then met my husband in New York and came back to Houston and started the handbags. Is he, was he born in New York? No, he is a Midwesterner. He's born in Minneapolis. Okay. So, My husband yeah. was born in New York. So I was oh. like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But New York is a really special place for us because that's kind of where I think it all began. And he always supported my dreams of starting something. And, you know, it's really interesting hearing your story. It's a lot like you. He was sort of my operational. He helped me run the business for several years. He didn't do it the whole time, but there were probably about seven or eight years in there that he really helped me. Um, and then I was more the face of the brand and out there kind of selling and communicating what we met, you know, what we stood for. So it, I thought it was a beautiful um, experience for me. I know a lot of people laugh, like, I can't believe you'd work with your husband. I'm like, well, actually, at first, I think it worked for us because we weren't competing, you know. I know, we weren't trying to do the same thing. Right. And we look back with fondness over that part. You know, obviously it was stressful and sometimes we had a hard time separating work and business and how do we make this, you know, we're in love with each other. Like, let's, you know, actually have a romantic relationship and not talk about profits. But, But we figured out a way, I think, to kind of 
you know, make that work. And looking back, I think we both kind of think we feel like that was a dream come true that we got to work together. That's beautiful. I love that. It's not always easy working with your spouse, but it's definitely important to remember, you know, that with me, I am so impulsive all the time. Like, let's do it. I want to do this. And why not? And I had an idea or, you know, wake up. It's two in the morning. I want to do this. And it's so important to have a partner that is supportive and understanding totally. and is like, okay, let's do this. Let me just figure out how we're going to do right. it first. That's so that's similar to my husband and me. It's like somebody that can honor that um, part of yourself and not necessarily squish, like look at you and go, come on, chill out. You know, I think when you find someone in life who's like, yeah, they lean into it. They lean right. into the risk that mm-hmm. you want to take. I think that's actually a very unique thing. A lot of people want to stay in between the lines. And so I feel lucky that I had someone who leaned in with me and said, yeah, let's do it. You know, no matter what, no matter what the outcome, let's, let's do it. We'll never regret it. You know? Right. So you started your business. Walk us through that. Well, so I started in 2000 and it was one of those years I was pregnant with my first child and then I started the business and, um, It was like my mom calls it the year of creation. I was like making handbags and in Brooklyn, having them shipped to my home in Westview. Wow. And then I was shipping them literally out of my living room. And my first customer was Tootsie's here in Houston. And um, it was kind of a dream. And then it really just slowly over the next several years just grew into we got Neiman's and Saks. And then we eventually started opening up our own stores. But it was very organic growth. It wasn't catapult growth. It was very like you know, when we thought we could do it, we went to the next step, you know, but we were really wholesaling for the first probably five years of the business. And then we opened up our first store in uh, Westview. Wow. Rice Village. Yeah. How amazing is that? And you had that store for how long? Oh gosh. And Rice Village, probably 12 years. I mean, yeah, at least 10 to 12 years. And then we ended up growing our branded stores. We had 12 stores at one point. Um, all throughout Texas, and then we had uh, one in New York. With your business, so you had it for 12 years. What happened next? Because you created such an incredible brand. So the brand I had for 21 years, but that store in Rice Village I had for 12. But the brand, because I was doing wholesale for a long time, and then I started opening up the stores. Um, After we opened up the stores, we really became a direct-to-consumer brand. So we were all vertical. We created all of our own products. We grew into clothing, jewelry, handbags. Well, you know, we started with handbags and shoes. And the shoe business got even bigger than the handbag business at one point. Um, And then we started moving into that era of digital, too. So really investing in our digital platform and... um, e-commerce and all of that stuff and then you know just like in life there's so much uncertainty and unpredictability but I also have two children and I have an 18 year old daughter with autism and we were starting to open up all of these stores and at that time she was starting to hit those teen years and it was getting more critical her care emotionally how she was handling um, social everything her academics learning she you know obviously has a lot of chronic challenges and both of my parents became ill two who I would still take care of and my husband and I kind of reached a point to be completely vulnerable and transparent with you where we had to really look in the mirror and decide you know is this the life that we can continue to lead is this sustainable being entrepreneurs with two kids one with special needs Um, and then what was going on with my parents and then to be completely frank with you the retail industry had really shifted from brick and mortar 
to digital. So our traffic in the stores started, we started seeing it go down and people saying, look, we just want this delivered to our doorstep. Like we're not going to fight parking and we're not going to do all those things. And, you know, people, I think now kind of maybe want to resist that that's true, but really the Amazon age and convenience is really real. Like people really do want that. And I think we both had to kind of make a decision. Do we want to close the stores and become all digital Um, At one point, we started thinking about that, or is it time to hit a huge reset button and figure out kind of our next steps? And we both decided, based on what was going on with my daughter, that we needed to take a step back. And so, I mean, the last three and a half years, I've been caretaking. Um, Both of my parents are terminally, chronically ill. My mom has cancer, stage four metastatic breast cancer, and my father has Alzheimer's. Wow. So it's just been, you know, but I think I want to lean into like normalizing that change Mm -hmm. and that pivot instead of being, um, I think that women especially have this deep wound of never feeling enough. Right. And I think we need to all as women come together and go, no, you are enough. Even if things change for you, or even if you hit a huge obstacle and you have to take, you know, you feel like you're plateauing or, or even if you feel like you're taking a step back, you're not, you're growing and you're evolving into who you ultimately are supposed to become. It's just, I think as a society and especially in the West being Americans and being so outcome driven, we have a tendency to wrap shame around, um, if it didn't look exactly like we thought it could, and that's not true. And I always feel like we're so hard on ourselves as women, working moms, you know, wives, the face of a company that sometimes we have to hit that reset button. And it's so hard for us at times. I know it's been very difficult for me at times to even say, you know what, I'm having a bad day because I'm expected not to have a bad day. Right. I'm expected to have the smile (laughs) and, you know, it's like you're, you're kind of, I think the expectations, I kind of call it the impossible paradigm. I think as women, we're expected to kind of do it all and be it all. And, you know, all of these things, but really it's impossible, right? Like we're human beings. And I think that we have to give ourselves a huge amount of grace and compassion about the roles that we carry as women, the mother, the business owner, the wife, the best friend, you know, the daughter. I mean, I don't know all the roles that you carry, but I can only imagine that they're heavy and we have to allow ourselves that space Mm -hmm. for grace, right? Because I think it's missing in a lot of us. And I think it leads to kind of the low kind of self-worth. Sometimes we carry this we don't feel worthy. We feel like that we're, you know, there's something missing and there's really not. It's just what we call life, right? It's the evolution of who we are. So I made a rule for myself when I started my business, because I make a joke nowadays that when I started Nan, I would go to the opening of an envelope. Seriously. If there was anything happening, I was there for the networking (laughs) opportunities. I mean, I would go to the opening of an hustling, you know, (laughs) just trying to network with as many people as I could. And I got to a point where I was exhausted. I I just couldn't do it anymore. Not one more opening of anything. I could not do it. And when that happened to me, I remember waking up and thinking I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't having a heart attack. I was having a panic attack mm-hmm. because I was just not taking care of my body or myself. So I made a rule for myself that I follow, and it's God, family, real estate. And if it's not in that order, then I just refuse to do it right. because I feel like it's so important 
that so many different, you know, my agents, we have 100 agents, there's 20 in our support team, and so many different individuals depend on me that if I'm not okay, that if I'm having a heart attack or a panic attack or I'm just a mess, how can I be there for them? How can I be there for my kids? You know, I have an 11 and a 12-year-old. We haven't talked about them yet. (laughs) And they keep me so busy, but 13 months apart. Everyone asks me, how did you do it? I'm like, oh, I just cried the whole time. I'm just kidding. But it wasn't easy. But now it's just, you know, it's we have so much fun together. But I feel like it's important that we have those rules for ourselves to say this is what I'm going to live by and I'm done trying to do everything and being a yes person. You can't. I mean, and I think the fact that you, Nancy, like realized I have to build a structure around what I can really do and what I can't do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like for you, maybe like, oh yeah, that was a bit. A lot of people I think will be so inspired hearing that, like, oh, I need to do something like that. Mm Because I think so much, so many of us, especially as women, we react to life. We're not, we just wake up and go, no, I have to be these things. I have to perform. I have to be there. And the fact that you build a structure and said, look, it's, it's about these categories. Right. I think that's essential to um, really being overall healthy, you know, our well-being, really. So good for you because I don't think I did that, you know, probably nearly um, enough. I think now I'm definitely more there, but it took a huge reset for me. But everything happens for a reason. Totally. And it does not – to me, it's – you have to look at where you are in life. Like you said, we all have something that we're destined to do. Yeah. You know, whether it is, you know, my parents right now are going through a different phase in life that I'm not used to. I'm going to bed at 8.30 and they're calling me at midnight asking me what I'm doing. I'm asleep, you know, so it's just different phases yeah. in life. I would have never thought that my mom would call me and tell me that she's out with my dad, you know, Aww. dancing or having a good time, Isn't that great, but though? good for yeah. them. You know, good for them for enjoying life and Mm -hmm. just going through those different phases in life. And it's just so important to recognize, okay, this is what, you know, I want to do today because, again, this is my rule, God, family, real estate. Today my son has a basketball game. It's at 4 o'clock. That breaks up my afternoon meetings. So I had to reschedule my whole day, but because – I wanted to be there for him. I wanted to see him. Absolutely. So it's. I agree. And I think it's interesting what you said about your parents is that I think it's okay if, if we realize we can be so many different things in a lifetime, right? We're not just, you're not just a real estate guru or a mom. You're all of these things, you know, the wholeness of you. There's so many different roles and identities that we can carry and that we're growing and we're learning. And it doesn't have to look like one thing or one phase. You know, we get a little bit attached to like, well, this is who I am and I have to adhere to it. But really the wholeness of you is, is not, I mean, your story is not fully told yet, you know? So, For sure. Yeah. Love and laughter. So important. Tell me about your e-course. <laughs> so just kind of when I told you my story, my e-course was sort of inspired from that journey of realizing that after I stepped back and I closed that last door, I kind of had this deep sort of excavation of some wounds that maybe I knew I was carrying that weren't really in my awareness. And one of them was that feeling of never feeling like I was enough, right? I think I was hustling so much for like kind of looking to the external to validate my worthiness, but not knowing I was doing that. I just was like, this is who I am. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an overachiever. I'm going to do all these things. 
And once I started really getting into some of that healing work and recognizing that my roles were shifting and who, who I really was wasn't, I didn't have to attach my worthiness to all those roles, right? Or even outside achievement. And I really believe that's a universal wound for women, never feeling enough. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think a lot of it's societal programming or, you know, the, the families that we grow up in or whatever it is. But I just decided to build this course for women around kind of um, debunking and reckoning with the idea that you have to hustle for your worth Mm -hmm. and that you have to earn it. Because I really believe, and could get kind of spiritual here, but I really believe that we are born worthy. It's Mm -hmm. our birthright. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't, there's nothing we can do to really attain that. We're already whole. And if we can look at our worthiness from, I think, a perspective of abundance rather than scarcity, I think it really changes your entire trajectory that you know like and it's not about giving up or being passive Nancy it's really about looking at your life and saying I know I'm enough already and when you know that it's almost like you're free to fail and free to fall and free to stumble because you know I rise again knowing I'm essentially good you know and so I think once you switch that mindset I just think so much of your life becomes so much more full and so much more authentic you For know, sure. to who you are. So. Definitely. So that's kind of why I did it. Yeah. Wow. Do you look at it now and think 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been ready to do something like this with your e-course? Yeah. Oh yeah. I couldn't have built the e-course, um, without going through what I went through because that awareness wasn't really there yet. I launched the e-course right in the middle of COVID and I just, you know, said, Hey, for people out there who might be, and it was a really good time because people were in transition. Right. A lot of people were reckoning with like, who am I now is really what my old life, does it really fit where I want to go? It was like all of a sudden the earth was kind of, I mean, paused a little bit and we all had a chance to kind of sit back and decide, is this who I want to be? Is the life that I've built? And so I had a really, a lot of, it was a beautiful moment because I had a lot of women, Um, in a space that was really vulnerable and transparent about, you know, really wanting to do that work. Like, who am I? How are my habits and thoughts, emotions, and beliefs affecting my everyday life? Um, How have I looked at my worthiness in my life? You know, all of those deconstructing, all of that stuff. And so, you know, I really want to keep growing it. I've been so immersed with mom and dad and the things, and my daughter has recently had a transition as well to a to a boarding school. But, you know, I think that there's so much more I could do and evolve from. I was just one early phase of doing it, but I love doing that kind of work. I love supporting women. Yes. That's super important for me. And it was with the fashion business too. Did you have a mentor during the start of your career? I mean, I would say that all, all my bosses early on, one in particular in New York, is actually a male, um, was a huge mentor for me, especially around bringing the joy and creativity into what you do. I think mm-hmm. sometimes work can become more of a burden than it really should be, I think, especially if you're in the creative industry. I think retaining that joy of creative expression and that spontaneity, he was a huge force for me. And also my parents. My, both of my parents are probably my biggest mentors in my lifetime. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah. For me, it's, I had two mentors. One was a female, one was a male, and they were both my clients. Um, They started off as clients and then became friends, but it's just so nice to be able to have that shoulder that to cry on or just to ask a question, like, what do you, how do you feel about this? As far as, you know, I just recently started Women in Power with uh, Glenda Baker, a good friend of mine, and we started it because 
all of my clients that invest, or I wouldn't say all of them, most of my clients that invest in real estate are men. And I just woke up one day and said, why don't I see more women buying real estate? And not necessarily buying a house and just living in it, but what about flipping it? Or what about Airbnb? Or when I, you know, talk about this building, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I was going to own a building, I would have like, okay, sure, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but to walk into this building and just think, oh, my God, this Look is what you've done. Yeah. mine, yeah. our hard work. This is where it is. It's just That's I want other amazing. women to feel that. Well, it's know? so funny that you just said that because it was something I wanted to speak to today is that I've been having sort of this um, – internal, I think, dream inside of me, especially over the last six months, that I want to take my experience with building the business that I built for over two decades and really start to transfer that into mentoring and consulting with women and investing in women's businesses. And and it doesn't have to be industry specific. Obviously, I know the consumer world and the fashion world and all of that in the digital world, but it could be what you just said. Like, I want to get involved and, and hear about what you're doing because I think that that's something that I want to encourage women to decide, no, I can have equity in this. I can have a stake in this. Or is, this, right. is there a business model I could build around this? Like, that's still a huge passion of mine. And I think that so many women fall back into that lack of worthiness or like, or even that comfort zone of like, oh, who am I to think I can do that? Well, who are you to not think you can do that? Right. And so it's just so funny you just said that because that's been something in me lately that I've been doing a lot more research around investing in uh, women run and women led businesses. And it's important to talk about it. They don't, I feel like a lot of, um, including myself, a lot of us think that a business has to be pretty and shiny and nice. You know, we have our, my parents, we had our family ranch, and because we all work so much, we never got to enjoy it. So I saw an opportunity, and I said, okay, we're going to Airbnb it, and I'm turning the barn into a venue. And my mom and dad looked at me and were, you know, <laughs> what? Are you crazy? I said, no, I'm not crazy. Just let me do this, and you'll see. And sure enough, my mom calls me, there's money being put into my bank account. Where is that coming from? And I said, from Airbnb, thank you. Or, no, sorry, you're welcome. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, I feel like it's more about realizing when there is an opportunity. And what does that mean? Totally. Most of, you know, we have a lot of young women that work here at NAN because they're so creative. They get out of college. They want to come here. And social media, I mean, no one knows how to do what they know how to do, right? They're, Uh I call them little geniuses. And no offense to the guys. Y'all are freaking amazing too, okay? But I push them to buy homes. You know, that's the first thing that I want to educate them on is you don't need $10,000 to buy a home. That's not how it is. There's so many different programs, and I just wish – more individuals and not just women, you know, young men would say, okay, how do I do this? Guide me what's step one through five, and I'm willing to do it. That's so great. And you've stepped into that, empowering them to see that this is something attainable and not as far. I think people think of things as always so far out of reach, right? Right. And you're sitting there saying, no, 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 this could actually be accessible for you. For sure. Definitely. So what are your next steps? I mean, one, the thing I just mentioned to you has been kind of sitting on my heart is, is uh, investing in women-led, women-run businesses. Um, another thing I've thought about is kind of using my voice for women and a podcast, something like this, a platform. I do a lot of public speaking, which I love. 
um, and I'm doing you know, a lot of charity philanthropic work, which I always have done, especially in the special needs community and uh, women, you know, like I'm on the board of the Women's Fund, so always supporting women in any way I can. Those are kind of the things that are, I think, inside of me right now. I'll be honest, I'm at a phase where I'm trying to integrate, how do I fully become, I don't know, how do I become the whole me? And I'm kind of trying to figure out how to integrate all of these sides of me. Like I have a passion for the business side for women. I have a passion for creative expression. So even thinking about getting back into fashion, how could I do some collections, maybe smaller collections, capsule collections that I sell online? How can I continue to put my heart out there for women through philanthropy and through supporting women through workshops and speaking? I mean, all these sides of me, um, I think I'm in that phase of trying to figure that right. out because I am still caretaking and dealing mm -hmm. with some hard things. I'm in that sandwich generation of dealing with my parents while I'm also trying to honor me in the phase right. that I'm in. And it's not easy. I'm 52. And so I'm, I'm at that phase where a true midlife, right? Where I still have pretty young kids, but my parents are elderly. And so it's, it's a really interesting phase. Sometimes I get super anxious about it. And then other times I kind of sit in it and I'm like, no, let all these emotions exist within me. I don't have it all figured out, but if I just continue to believe in myself and let those breadcrumbs reveal themselves in front of me, that it'll figure itself out. You know, For I don't sure. need to rush and, you know, force anything. Right. right. It's like when I started this podcast as well, you remind me, what you're saying reminds me so much of it. We started the podcast in my first office. It was a round table. We didn't have these nice microphones, no. by the way. I think we had like some little earbuds yeah. and I would hold one and then like yeah. pass the little microphone. Yes. yes. Just know. like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it was seriously, oh, but that's exactly I mean, I had, you know, I'm a broker. I'm not a public speaker <laughs> by any means. I, you know, don't know how to interview. It's just, I wanted to have conversations with amazing individuals such as yourself where we could share our experience yeah. and let others learn from it. Yeah. You know, if I could tell people or listeners or anyone, don't do the shit that I did. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to <laughs> say that. You know, exactly. I lost a lot of money and time mm -hmm. on the way and I want to do that. Yeah. I mean, speaking to that, I love that you just are so honest. It's like, obviously I did too in so many areas and different, you know, especially if you take risk, you're going to lose money, you're going to make money, you know, it, but speaking to those times when it didn't, didn't maybe go the way that you wanted it to go, that's okay. It is that's okay. That's a part of the journey. Sure. It doesn't mean like, I don't even really believe in the idea of failure. I just believe that it, it's, it's called life. It's called following, you know, you're following, you're learning. You're not, it's not about, oh, I failed at something. Oh, I'm learning. You right. Know, this is what I needed to do to get from here to here. And I just think we're so attached to all of those labels and outcomes. And I just love hearing someone as successful as you say that. It's like, no, it doesn't all look like that. There's right. not some straight line. And I mean, you'd say that, I mean, you know, look at the Houston Astros as a metaphor. I mean, really, like, I think of them as an incredible metaphor of like, They've basically been globally bullied for the past five years. Oh, they geez, yes. have had injuries and, you know, management changes and people not believing in them. I mean, Jose Altuve goes up to plate and is booed nonstop, but there's this resiliency of like, okay, this is what happened. All I can do is get back up every day and learn from it and do the best I can to redeem myself internally. I can't control the crowd. I can't control externally what people think of me, right. but I can control internally 
how I see myself and how I'm going to react to that crowd. For sure. And there's something so inspiring about them and then put that into yourself. Right? I mean, we're all little mini Houston Astros teams, right? It's not all perfect. Gostros. You know, I know. I'm going to cry. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Look at me. I'm like, okay, the Houston Astros. We're done. All right. <laughs> Mike <Mic> drop. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I think it's amazing that you want to invest in women businesses. Yeah. And I would love to hear yeah. more about that. Yeah, and I'd love to talk to you about what you're doing. It's just incredible. Oh, I could be a part of it. Or, you know, my husband and I are just now talking about maybe allotting a start, figuring this out. Like, what could we do? Because um, he's just like me. He's like, we have, to, it's all about women. We've got to get women more on the forefront financially. Um, empowering them that they are a huge part of the economy. You know, I think that all this sort of idea that we're hidden, it's like, no, no, no. I mean, right. think about, you know, it changes society. We need to get the husbands to me. My husband I is, know. I mean, he's my number Let's one fan. Dinner. I tell he's everyone so that because he, so he was raised by a single mom. Yeah. So he is definitely, he gets it, you know, he gets it and he is so supportive of it. And that's why I always say he's my biggest fan when it comes to stuff like this. Y'all look like a little Hollywood couple. You are so walked sweet. In, I'm like, they should have a show. <laughs> my kids don't look <laughs> anything like me. They, I was just, you know, the surrogate, obviously. Both of them look <laughs> they're, just they're like him. him. They're, they're little, I don't know him. how that yes. happens. It's like. Really? All the work and then yes. the many knees of the dad. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you so much, Elaine, for joining me today. This was incredible. We could actually be on here for hours and just talk about so many different phases in life and things that we're going through. But if you don't follow Elaine, make sure to follow her on Instagram. Check her out. And thank you so much for listening and watching. Until the next one. <laughs>